Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Hey, everyone. So I'm Tesla Herbert, and today we have on tap Farzad Mesbahi. Did I say that right, Farzad? You nailed it. You said it better than <laughs> I say it. So Farzad, you started your YouTube channel uh, seven months ago, and I think it was November 2021. You've got 20,000 subscribers. What a meteoric rise. Is this, are you happy where you're at? Is this what you expected? I hate this. No, this is the worst thing ever. Like, <laughs> I, I, I was expecting a trillion subscribers. Dude, it's been crazy. It's been absolutely bananas, man. It's like we were talking briefly before this started. Like it's the, the, the rise of, of the channel has been so I, – I did not even know what I was getting myself into when I put out my first video. You know, and uh, well, this is the funny part. Like, I did take a look at your very first video. It has yeah. eighty thousand views now. <laughs> but what I love about it is your wall looked really sparse, man. I mean, like yeah. that was quite the uh, your production level was nowhere near what you have. Like, you had like one little guitar, maybe, and one little yeah. post. Exactly, so are which, are you which like, shows you right 000? there. <laughs> yeah, and like you can see right there. Like literally, I'm like, I'm just gonna put out a video, put out my thoughts. Yeah. And then see what people think in this. It, it echo actually looked chamber. like it was your, uh, it was your entryway, the hallway, the stairs yeah. are coming. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was like super, like I'm just gonna start talking, you know. It's like that whole, like that whole Tesla idea of like just get started, just go with it, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I went with it, and I've and I've just been so honestly overwhelmed by the response of of that I've been getting in the last seven months, and people are so appreciative of of the sort of content that I've been putting together and I'm building, starting to build a small community around me, which I I'm so thankful for. And it's just been a trip, man. It's, it's been super rewarding, <laughs> but I never pictured myself in this position, but I'm honestly very yeah. happy that, that it's, that it's come about. Well, so we're going to dive into that. But when I met you and Cindy uh, at uh, Clive bar, just yeah. before the Giga Texas event, I was already, I'm your biggest fan boy, I'm sure. But <laughs> I was saying that you are a star and you will go far. Uh, you've got all the elements. Thank you, man. <laughs> if Thank I say you too so much, much, I'm going to sound too much of a fan boy. But you are a star. So I want to get there. But let's, I, I like to, you know, try to share a little bit about or find out more about each person that I talk to, things that they may not share on their own in YouTube. And I know you've been very um, open and sharing a lot, but I want to dig deep and go right through your story from the sure. beginning. So where are you originally from? Uh, where did you grow up? You know, what, what were you like as a kid? <laughs> Dude, I appreciate that question. Thank you. Yeah, I um, Yeah, it's it's a so I was born in, in Spain, in Cordoba, Spain, uh, to a, a parent of two Iranian immigrants. So my both of my parents are from Iran. Um, they were born in Tehran and they uh, left the country in 1979. Uh, right around the time of the revolution that, that happened right. there in Iran with the uh, Ayatollahs. Yeah. And they moved to, to Spain to continue their education and to, you know, try to find a better life for themselves. So uh, they moved to Spain and then they had me um, back in uh, Cordoba. And I was, I'm 35 years old now. So I was born in 87, January 87. And um, I, I have a, a smaller brother as well. He's, uh, he's about four and a half years younger than me. He was also born in Spain. And Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. It's just uh, I grew up in Spain. I, I we lived there for twelve years. We moved to the okay, states. Okay, so you, you yeah. speak Spanish, or were you at one of those yeah. international schools? Yeah, I uh, I, I speak Spanish. Um, uh, I understand it fluently. I can read it fluently. I can. My writing has gotten pretty 
rusty. My <laughs> my speech has gotten pretty rusty. But um, yeah, if like say somebody like wants to talk to me in Spanish, I can talk to them in Spanish. But I, I, there's some words I have to like think about. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then, so as a kid, what were you wanting to grow up and doing? Oh, dude, I don't know. Like, <laughs> what, what did I want to do as a kid? I remember there was a part of my childhood where I wanted to be a cop for like a while. Oh, like, okay. like I want to be a policeman. I don't even know why, but I wanted to be a policeman. But um, yeah, I, I didn't really, my, my childhood was, I don't know. I, I didn't really, I don't really remember too much about it, to be completely honest. I think yeah. what was, um, what I really sticks out to me is that we, we moved around a few places in Spain. Uh, like a couple apartments within Cordoba. And then I remember around 12 years old, obviously, we moved to the States. And uh, I, I knew zero English when we came to the States at uh, 12 years old. I knew like five words. I knew like goodbye, blue, poop. I don't know, like two other <laughs> words, like very, very limited vocabulary at age 12. And we came to the States. And I remember um, showing up, uh, we moved to New Jersey for the first three years. And I remember showing up and uh, it was right during my formative years of like, you know, I hit puberty and I'm like, I'm like, you know, a, a sack of hormones trying to talk to girls and I can't and I can't, you know, so I, I that sticks out. Pull out your Spanish. Come on. Yeah. Like well, me. listen, I wasn't, I didn't have enough game back then when I was young to figure that out. But I just remember, I remember being very shy. I remember being very, um, I don't know, just not, not antisocial, but I just, I was very self-conscious about not knowing the language, you know, mm. after moving from Spain. So for a few years there, I was very, you know, I spent a lot of time indoors. I played a lot of video games, kind of like cooped up a little bit in the house, you know, and um, yeah. I used to play basketball a lot when I was younger. And I remember coming to the States, um, I still wanted to play basketball, but the level of basketball from Spain to the States is very, very yeah. different. You know, in Spain, I, I was the tallest kid in the class with the best handles, with the best with the best shooting. And then I came to the States and I started getting dunked on immediately. And I'm like, this is not going to work out. So that was kind of a bummer. And uh, so I just started playing video games and I don't know, man, like that's kind of, that was a lot of my childhood growing up was, was video games and get being up in front of a computer <laughs> and uh, sort of building a community around that. I, I started playing instruments around the age when I moved to the States. So I picked up the guitar I picked up the clarinet and uh, the piano and some other instruments as well. So I played um, clarinet too, by the way. Did you really? <laughs> I did. That's awesome. Yeah, it's the wrong instrument for me. Really I'm loud. I want to. Well, I'm loud. I want to get in there, and then you're supposed to be very quiet. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm blowing it as hard as I can. Dude, clarinet's one of those instruments that if you if you can't play it well, you sound like a dying duck. You know, it's like <laughs> it's just it's and that was most of my you know childhood growing yeah. up, but. Um, yeah, but, but music was a big part of my life growing up as a kid and gaming and stuff like that. And then, yeah, it's just a lot of that. I did a lot of that. While I was a kid. Step back a little bit. So when you, uh, do you have a lot of the Iranian culture? What does misbahi mean? Do you know that? Oh yeah. So I, I don't know what misbahi means. I know Farzad is a, um, it's actually pronounced Farzad, but I don't even Farzad. pronounce it. But I didn't even pronounce Farzad. it that way because I'm like, just used to hearing my name back from everybody. So I'm like, Farzad, that's my name. Which is weird because it's like, when is the last time a person doesn't even pronounce their own name the way it's supposed to be pronounced? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think about that often. Well, that's but... why I'm wondering if you've like completely abandoned your Iranian culture. No. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no, no. Okay. I, um, yeah, I mean, there, there is still definitely a, a little bit of a culture. You know, I, I've only been to Iran twice, you know, so, and I was young when we went too. So, uh, I, I don't have a lot of exposure to it, but I know my, my parents did a good job ensuring that I was exposed to the culture, you know. 
Um, anytime I'm, I'm surrounded by other like Persians, uh, it's it comes out. You know, there, there's a lot of just the way you sort of you know yeah. they're very jokey and you know you're <laughs> kind of just ripping on each other, always making jokes. We have this thing called tarofing, which is like a oh. a whole thing where you're always like you're you're trying so hard to like pay for everything and to like yes, make yeah, everyone yeah. comfortable <laughs> like yeah to like the point where it's just embarrassing like you'll be in public and you're like fighting for the check for half an hour and i'm like this is the most embarrassing embarrassing thing ever you know so so a lot of we're that both culture. americanized if we're together it's like no go yeah. ahead Marzen. you pay for it buddy you exactly <laughs> i'm like through it just like i don't want to deal with this back and forth crap like just somebody take the freaking bill like i don't care you know yeah, what i'm yeah. saying so um, but that's still part of the culture and my mom's, you know, especially my mom's tried to, to like, make sure that we're still exposed to it. And, but yeah, man, it's, I feel very lucky and, and sort of blessed to have been able to be exposed to, uh, like three pretty different cultures. You know, you have Spain, yeah. Iran, and that's you know, America. It's, and I think that's helped me, that's helped me in the long term to really have a very open mind and to try my best to connect with people at a deeper level so, you know i really appreciate the questions right. you're asking because this no, is exactly. kind of like the stuff this is Make the stuff sense. that's important you know so yeah i feel yeah. very lucky to have that diversity in my uh, that does make sense i think people who travel and then you're forced to have to make friends with people and so you're interested and yeah. you want to communicate with them so when you when you're in you graduate from high school in bethlehem yes sir philadelphia yes, sir. and then you which uh, university did you go to and yeah so did you study High school was it? Yeah, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. It's about like an hour, an hour and a half north of Philly, uh, Eastern Pennsylvania. It's like a twenty-minute drive from the New Jersey border. And then I, I went to Penn State University and I studied uh, mathematics and statistics. Uh, and uh, I initially went for aerospace engineering, and that, that was my major at first. Okay. And then by the third year, I'm like, this is not for me. Like I'm bad. <laughs> but you made it for three years, so so that's pretty bad. good. <laughs> I know. And then, but then here's the thing: I switched over to math, thinking, "Oh, this is going to be easier for me because you know, I, I this is more intuitive for me." And then, come to find out, by the third year, math gets hella abstract, like right. hella abstract. And I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm worse at this than I was at <laughs> physics." And so, and but then at the point, I'm like, you know what? I'm not even gonna try to switch back because I'm gonna be this loser who's like switching majors. All I'm just gonna stick it out. And yeah. you know. I, I was a pretty bad student. I was a pretty bad student in college. In high school, I was like that kid where I'd be yeah. able to ace everything, no studying. Without it just trying, came very yeah. naturally for me. And I was, I'm very fortunate to have that. But college, you have to actually put in effort. And uh, I did not because I was not passionate <laughs> about what I was studying. So I was that freaking kid playing World of Warcraft until five o'clock <laughs> in the morning, you know, drinking freaking 40 ounce <laughs> hammers of Miller Lite getting wasted, you know? Boy, it was, it was a weird it was a weird college life, you know, super awkward with girls. Like, it was just, it was I don't weird. believe you, but okay, Dude, you can say trust me, sure. trust me, bro. <laughs> I, I was a hot mess, but that, that in itself taught me a lot of lessons too. You know, like that sort of experience teaches you a lot of lessons. Cause you're like, you know, you're in a situation where you're trying to really figure out how to become part of like, how to become more social, you know? And it was something for me, I think I had a lot of remnants from growing up that yeah. I had a lot of shyness and like like hesitancy to talk to people because of my accent or because I didn't know English very well. Well, first of all, you have no accent and you have no hesitancy to talk to people. It, not anymore. <laughs> you have zero accent. Not anymore. But I think I think having that experience really helped me to get here though, because if I didn't have that, I don't think I would have been able to well, to have to believe you. Have it. Okay. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it it, it was a it was a cool transition, I think, and I, and I'm thankful to have gone through that because it was um. I don't know. I, I'm just, it, 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 it was, it was a, it was a 
I don't know. It was it was a college experience that was unique, I think, for me versus like the other things that I experienced there because everybody seemed so open and so free and everybody was just free to talk. And it, it took yeah. me it took me a while to build up the confidence. But but once I built it, I, I realized just how um, how much I enjoyed it and honestly, how powerful it can be to like really try and and uh, and build relationships and get stuff done. And I think I just became it became one of my one of my tools in my toolbox. Late and, bloomer uh, in university, yes. as per your story. Yes, <laughs> okay. that's right. And then when you graduated with a math degree, mm-hmm. what's your first job? Yeah, so I joined a company called Phillips Pet Food and Supplies, uh, which is a uh, pet food distributor, the largest one in the country. Mm-hmm. And I remember joining it after I graduated college, um, about six, seven months after. So I graduated in 2009. It was in the middle of the financial crisis, the, the recession. Okay, yeah, that we yeah, had. massive. <laughs> Yeah, that was a weird time to graduate, man. I would yeah. not recommend it. That, that was weird. So <laughs> it took me a while to find a job. And I was very lucky to have a... So I lived with my parents at the time. And our yeah. next door neighbor worked at this company at Phillips. And she knew I was looking for work. And she approached me. She's like, hey, like we have a temp job at the company. Uh, our uh, mailroom ladies out on uh, surgery for a couple of weeks. Did you want to come in and like help us sort of uh, stuff some envelopes to ship them out? Like, hell yeah, I'll You're take anything. Me. Swear to God. You're kidding me. Okay. Swear to God. Yeah. So, so I went and I worked there. I'm like, yeah, I'll take anything. You know, it was like, it was like seven fifty an hour minimum wage. I took the job. I'm like, I'm literally broke. And, you know, my parents, my parents, you know, came from a, they don't come from a lot. You know, they had to build their, their life from, from scratch and did an amazing job. So we weren't like a family that had a lot of opportunities in front of us. We were all working, trying to work as hard as we can. And I'm like, I'll take anything. So I went and started uh, stuffing some envelopes. And the curious thing about the pet industry during during a recession is that it's recession proof because everyone everyone loves their pets too much to not feed them, right? Mm-hmm, so you mm-hmm. that it was a growing industry in a very recessionary mm-hmm. environment, and they were they were growing like crazy. And come to find out, they were looking for some somebody that had some sort of Excel skills to help them analyze things. <laughs> and I'm like. Okay. Hey, I got a like, degree in math. <laughs> I got a degree in math. I know how to work Excel. Like, give me something. I'll try, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then lo and behold, seven years later, I'm the director of business intelligence and pricing reporting to the CEO, you know, setting up strategies for the company okay. from a pricing perspective. So it's so it's perfect. It's right up your alley. Insane. Yeah. 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 It, it was crazy. So I was very fortunate to just happen to be living next to, to uh, Jessica. Her name is Jessica. But so. did you not... You, so you weren't necessarily um, steered towards uh, or gravitating towards technology companies at that time? No, not at all. I honestly okay. didn't even know what I wanted to do, to be completely yeah. honest. I, I really didn't. I graduated college. Part of the reason why I went to college is because I, I was expected to go to college and everyone else was going to college. I didn't even know what I wanted to do well, well after graduating still. like I was thinking about being an actuary. I was thinking about being a teacher. Um, I, I never pictured myself working at, like, say, in, in, in supply chain. You know, it just happened yeah, by if, chance. If I piece things together, though, am I guessing correctly that you actually started your Metallica band in college? <laughs> it was before that. It was in high school. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, on. that's what you wanted to do, right? <laughs> well, I, I did have dreams to want to be, like, a rock star. I did. You, <laughs> you know? can see two guitars in the back. You, that's what you're showcasing to everybody there. <laughs> Well, I you mean, got the soundboard to the left. I think you might have one item there that's a Tesla tech thing, you know? Yeah, I have the uh, I have like a Tesla whistle up there. I got my Model S yeah. back there. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. The whistle. rest are music. It's music. <laughs> okay. 
music was a big part of my life. Yeah, man. Like music was huge. Like especially, you know, I was I was talking about how I was a shy kid and like yeah. I grew up listening to metal music and you know metal is kind of a sort of like a loner type you know yes. uh, music thing which I'm super drawn to to this day and <laughs> it was just it was me my brother and our friends Jared and Dan and uh, we had this band you know we had this band we played in my in my mom's basement and we played Metallica oh, covers wow. you know that's great and man. that's all we did that's all and that was by far my favorite part of my childhood was playing with the band you know and. Uh, it was it was sort of like almost like escapism, I think, in a way, because it, Absolutely. you know, because again, my high school, like it was it was fun. I was in band and everything. But at the same time, like there was, you know, it, there was challenges with with having a language barrier for a while. And sort of like the move was, I think, looking back now, I think it was probably a little bit tougher on me than I initially realized, because I was really building a very strong friendship group in Spain. And then we ended up mm. moving to the States. And I think yeah, that absolutely. I think thinking back that was a little bit more abrupt than i than i originally realized but was I it right more. during grade eight though you know where you're going or grade nine in high school it was uh it was grade six to grade seven yeah, yeah so, so i was 12. you're ripped yeah. out in middle school and put back into essentially school. yeah different language you know like it's yeah. uh, so looking back it was rough but i'm very happy that it happened because being here is what's given me all the opportunity that i've had you know i don't think i would have had the same thing in spain all right, let's continue the story. So you're director of pricing and ana analysis and analytics. Yeah, yeah. Pet so food company. Yeah, director of uh, BI and pricing. And then I uh, ended up going to Tesla. Uh, that was when uh, the Tesla opportunity came up. And so um, tell us about that thinking in your head and what made you decide yeah. to make that flip. I, I did hear that you said that you were an investor in 2012. You actually yeah. bought the Model S already. So tell mm -hmm. me about how you first met with Tesla. What was the driver for you? Was it the mission? Was it the beautiful car? Was it the stock? Yeah, it was It was kind of those three, to be honest. So yeah. it was right around so 20, December 5th, 2012. It was the first time I ever bought Tesla stock. And that was, I, I, I stumbled upon it by happenstance. It was, uh, yeah. that was around the time. So I would have been in my job for uh, a little bit over three years now. So I was making a little bit of money. Yeah, you know, I was like, "Ooh, like this is nice. I can I can buy <laughs> yeah. things. You know, this is cool." But then at the same time, I was like, "Okay, if I, I have a salary and I have a ton of student loan debt, you know, um, mm. so much freaking debt. I was like a negative net worth for God knows how long." And I'm like, "Okay, I got to dig myself out of this hole somehow." And I'm like sitting down and doing the math. I'm like, "Okay, if I really want to get to, if I want to have the, the 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 house, the car, the security, the freedom, I have to figure out how to 10x or 100x what I have, mm. and that's when I started uh, discovered stocks and uh, investing in the stock market. So I did some research, and I you know I would read like forums and uh, things on the internet that would try to point me towards the right direction. And one of the things I came across was Tesla. It was an up and coming company at the point, and um, Elon Musk was heading it, who is this tech visionary guy who used to have PayPal and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this looks cool. And um, by happenstance, I stumbled upon the Tesla Motors Club forum. And uh -huh. on that forum, uh, you had uh, Dave Lee was one of the early yeah. contributors on that forum with his mega threads. And Dave T was his handle. Uh, and I remember reading them and there were these like monster threads that laid out point by point why tesla was a great investment and i'm like this makes so much sense this makes so much sense <laughs> and i remember i started watching uh youtube videos of elon musk and tesla to, to ensure that i wasn't like going crazy and i wasn't losing my mind when i'm thinking about this company and then i really started um honestly like i, I became really um 
what's the word, man? Like obsessed. almost like a, obsessed, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> We're all obsessed. Yeah. yeah, dude. Like I became obsessed with the idea of, of what the potential of this thing could be in the long term. And I'm like, wow, this seems like such a hopeful thing, especially during that, you know, you think about 2012, it was after the recession. Like I'm trying to build a, I'm trying to build a life for myself. And I come across this thing that's very uh, inspirational, you know, led by somebody who seems to really, really care and who, make, who makes a lot of sense and who's clearly very smart. Like, dude, I feel like I got to hitch my freaking uh, cart on this horse. And so I threw yeah. 3000 bucks into Tesla at the time, which was yeah. basically, you know, I had like, what, 12 grand saved up or something, you know, a hundred some odd thousand dollars in debt. I'm like, dude, I'm going to throw 3000 bucks in there. I'm going to try to make some money. And then we had the quarterly earnings in 2013 Q2, I think it was when they had their first profitable quarter ever. And then it went from 30 bucks to like 180 bucks or something in a, in a span of a few months. And I'm like, wow, I have enough money to freaking put a down payment on a house. You know, oh, wow. and at that's that beautiful. point, you know, at yeah. that point, I, I just the obsession was real. Like at that point, I'm like, dude, I'm going to freaking I want to work for this company. So freaking interesting, okay. you know, so bad. I want to be this part is of 2012 because it was still very uh, iffy of what would happen to this company. It would have been 2014 by then. Yeah. So then, 2014 okay. is uh, that's when. So it was after 2013 and 2014, yeah. the price kind of settled around. the. It was well past 100, like 200. I think it peaked at 360 in like 2015 or something. I forget the exact nice. timeline, but um, but it was around yeah. that time where I really made the decision that I really want to figure out how to be a bigger part of this, Interesting. Part of this journey. Yeah, for me, it was very similar story. I found Tesla in 2012, mm. and what blew my mind was, um, well, I've already, I already had invested in an electric battery vehicle company called Ballard mm. Systems five, 10 years before that, and they were making batteries for buses. Uh, but they failed. That company failed. But I was very excited to try to put money into something that, you know, will hopefully change, you know, the, the industry. Yeah. And uh, discovered Tesla, but what blew my mind was when, when, you, when you hear the explanation of why an electric vehicle is actually better, you know, the whole concept of there's no engine, and so there's less parts of service. Right. Without the engine, you can actually have um, crumple zones, so it's safer when it crashes, and the batteries right. also provide safety. And then it just goes on and on, and I'm like, this makes like so much sense. Right. And then seeing the prototype of it actually driving, you know that it can be done. Interesting. So, all right, so you're working at Pet Foods Company. You started to fall in love with Tesla, and yeah. then you made that decision where you already – married at that time did you already have financial security you felt and then how did you actually apply and what role did you apply for yeah so i actually so 2014 was around the time so i bought my house um i was w very far away from financial security i mean at that point i i was still <laughs> well and i was still negative net worth but at least i had a house and I had stable <laughs> yeah. income and i put 20 percent down on the house and i felt great yeah. and i still had an investment in tesla and i'm very very happy and i'm like okay yeah. every every penny i can get i'm gonna throw yeah. it into this stock okay oh wait wait and you already were an all-in investor in 2014 i was i was pretty money? deep pretty deep yeah it anything was tesla, that i had yeah. yeah any extra cash i had anything that i owned that was that was stock was 100 percent tesla so I do had you blame like, you, do you blame everything on dave leland damn you yes dave oh Lee. yeah 100 percent. yeah <laughs> Dave Lee, the, the, the case he made early on for the company was 100% the genesis for me being so heavily invested in Tesla. It made so much sense. And then he was right. And he, he was, was right, right, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was, so around 2014, I bought my first house. And 
and that's I and I met my wife in the same in the same year. So dude, everything was it was great. You know, it was yeah. it, everything was like freaking gangbusters. And yeah, uh, met my wife 2014, and I was still making a lot of great uh, moves in the company. So I went from so I started as a as a temp right. stuffing envelopes to an uh, to an analyst <laughs> temp amazing. to a uh, to an analyst to a bi manager to a pricing right. manager and then a director so i sort yeah. of made that that pathway and then around 2016 uh at the beginning of 2016 uh my wife and i were able to save up enough money to start our own business and this is a yeah, year I'm gonna, before i, I want to talk to you about this this is like a totally amazing business <laughs> yeah i love it so we i uh, had the same the... idea or we all do we you go to one of, well tell us a story but this is so cool I sure yeah it. yeah so we uh I remember being at my job, uh, which was, it honestly was a great job, but I'm like, man, like I'm watching Elon head SpaceX, head Tesla, head Solar City, all these other things. I'm like, I should be able to do more than just work at one company. (laughs) I can do it. I can do it. (laughs) Exactly. I can do it. What the hell? You know, he's doing it. I have to do this. This is good. So, uh, my wife and I decided to, uh, um, start an escape room an escape room business. Yeah, and uh, the reason why we did was so we did one in Philly, which we really really enjoyed, and uh, our our area, so the Bethlehem Allentown Easton, which is the Lehigh Valley area, didn't have escape room at the time. Right, and we're both like, okay, so we we have you know we have some money saved up, and we're both looking for you know we're both looking to uh, make an impact. And, and my wife had just graduated college at the time too, so she had just mm-hmm. graduated college, and she was also like. You know, if I could start my own business, like I'd rather just do that than enter the nice. workforce, right? And I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. So we started an escape room and we had it for four years and it was it was great. It did really, really well. It was very, very yeah. successful. Um, but so why, why the decision of an escape room? Like, did you experience one and were so excited about yes. it? Are you good at escape rooms? So, so I looked at it from a business perspective. So, so the way I analyzed it was like, okay, so this is obviously a, uh, a super fun thing that's very unique yes. and there isn't one in our area. And our area is growing, and uh, the overhead for this thing doesn't seem that expensive. Exactly. Yes, but it does require a lot of creativity to do a good job, you know. So, yes. and the decision we made was that we were going to make all the puzzles from scratch, my wife and I. So we made the puzzles ourselves, wow. we made the rooms ourselves. So we built nice. out everything ourselves. You know, we put up walls, we took down walls, everything. So we did it, which was a freaking pain. I'll never do that again in my life. That was the most painful period of my life was between 2016 and 2019. It was fucking brutal. Excuse me, freaking brutal. You may have to bleep that out. My apologies. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was um, yeah, it was hard. But, but I, I looked at it from, a, from, a, from that perspective, and I'm like, this is going to be profitable as long as we can get X number of people in the door. Uh, and we should be able to staff it once we get big enough. And so w- what we did for a period of time, Make what sense. I did is I worked full time at the at the job at yeah. Phillips and then I, I would go home. I would go to the escape room and then work there, you know, in the evening. Yeah, Perfect in the time. evening. Yeah. And I did that while I was a Tesla as well. You know, yeah. so so when I joined Tesla in 2017, I was I was juggling the escape room and Tesla at the same time, which was the dumbest thing I could have done. <laughs> it was it was it was it gave me anxiety, it gave me panic attacks. It ended up being a, an, an awful mm-hmm. thing. To, to mm-hmm. do those two things at the same time because it's very very demanding yeah. um but but yeah man it was it was crazy and it was very successful and, and the crazy thing is we timed it the timing of it was insane because we decided to close it down at the end of 2019 because we started seeing sort of an overall trend of 
uh, like the market was starting to get saturated and we weren't seeing the same results. And we had an opportunity to exit the lease because our landlord's sister was looking to move her thing. And the landlord was like, hey, no big deal if you don't want to, but I'm just wondering in case you wanted to terminate your lease early, would yeah. you like to uh, exit the lease and then maybe find a just new location? Just before COVID into Just before yeah. COVID, Perfect. bro. Yeah. And we're like, no, I mean, we're not even thinking about COVID. Like, yeah, this makes sense. We're kind of seeing the writing on the wall. We don't want to like be stuck with a business that's not going to be, uh, you know, not profitable in the next two to three years. Let's just pull the plug, move, move forward. And then three months later, COVID hit. It was crazy. Like nice. the timing was ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Nice. So, I mean, so you're entrepreneurial. You could, you know, you're willing to start from scratch, sure. build everything from beginning. Is that like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is the yeah. way your mind I'm works. Stupid. I'm going to yeah, do everything. I'm dumb. <laughs> And you're young. Okay, yeah. so then, uh, so when you decided to jump to Tesla, what was the job that got you to move? What's the role? How yeah. did you apply? Yeah, I mean, one of the things you bring to the table uh, as as a celebrity as you are today is, uh, you know, is your knowledge of the inside of what's happening with Tesla. Sure. But I was always curious, and I'm sure many of us, what what kind of um, how does Tesla decide who they're gonna hire? And yeah. How do you position yourself if you want to work at Tesla? How did you do it? Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah. I'll give you a little bit of backstory. So in 2017, um, the Phillips would just went through a pretty big leadership change. Uh, it had been uh, purchased by uh, outside, but by a um, they did a they sold the company to an investment firm, yep. uh, Thomas H. Mm -hmm. Lee Partners. Yeah, so yeah. private, and uh, they. There was some clashes between the the current leadership, who's the who's yeah. who's back again. His name's Blaine, one of the most brilliant people I ever met. He's the CEO, family owned for a long time. So they had some clashes with the investment group, yeah. and so Blaine decided to be like, "Well, screw you, you know, good luck, you know, <laughs> kind of thing." Exactly. Um, it's, it's and they brought in a uh, yeah, and they brought in a, a replacement CEO who was great too, Todd. His name's Todd, and I I, yeah. I actually heard from him not too long ago. Great guy, and that. Uh, and they were looking to move their headquarters from Eastern Pennsylvania, which is right next door to Bethlehem, down to Charlotte, North Carolina. And yeah. there was an offer, basically. He's like, he's like, hey, anytime you want to move down to Charlotte, let me know. We have an office yeah. down there for you. Um, it, it, it was pretty clear that they were looking to you know, put me through a fast track to either a yeah, VP exactly. or an executive yeah. position. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I obviously very, was very grateful for that opportunity. And then uh, I went to my wife, and I'm like, Okay, so this looks like a great opportunity, but here's the deal. One, I'm not really sure if I want to move down to Charlotte. And then B, uh, in order to make a good decision, maybe we should look around. Maybe there's other opportunities, you know, because oh, I haven't okay. looked around ever. Yeah. You know, I've been at Ted right. Phillips for seven years at that point. I'm like, let me look around and see what's going on. Yeah. And then by happenstance, uh, we had somebody that came into the uh, escape room to, to do a room. You're and kidding. And it was Elon. Watched, <laughs> yeah, it was Elon and Grimes. No. Um, it was, he was a stuck guy. There forever. So you said, "I'll only yeah. let you out if uh, you can never keep Elon stuck in an escape room." Sorry, yeah. that's blasphemy, guys. It's not true. It was a um, it was a guy who worked at the service center in Devon, Pennsylvania, which is by Philly, and okay. it was him and his uh, girlfriend or wife, and the wife was friends with my wife, and so that's how they ended up at the escape room. And then the guy was like, "Yeah, I just heard they opened they just opened a brand new warehouse around here." I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, Tesla right. just opened a warehouse right down the road, like right around here. I'm like, no, they didn't. You're, you're crazy. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I'm sure they did. I'm like, okay. So then we looked it up online. Literally, this warehouse opened, I'm not even kidding you, two minutes down the road from our escape room. We were on the same road, on wow. the same freaking road. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, okay, I had no idea this happened. They, they were open like a month prior. It opened in March 2017. 
I applied in uh, like May, May 2017, nice. April, May 2017. Perfect. Yeah. And, uh, and the position was for an inventory control analyst. Okay. Right. So that was a position. And I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, okay, I'm a director of BI and yeah, pricing. Uh, it's going to be a pretty severe price cut, most likely. Yeah. And I'm going to have to like step down the role, but it's freaking Tesla. It's freaking yeah. Tesla. So I'm going to apply anyway. And then uh, after uh, like a week or so, they get back to me and they're like, hey, we looked at your resume. We looked at your background. It looks like you might be a good fit. Would you like to interview? I'm like, hey, mm. uh, are you sure this is real? You know, like, is this Bethlehem, Pennsylvania? We're talking about the same, like the same, <laughs> is this Bethlehem, Palestine or Israel? It's, it's or is this studio. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania? One, one of those. Like, no, it's Bethlehem, road, Pennsylvania. Right? I'm like, great, cool. So I went in and I interviewed with the, um, with uh with uh greg and christian who were the the folks that are running the facility and uh we hit it off right away and at that time i had my model s already so we we had a we had my tesla model s yeah. we bought it like uh i was, it was like probably like six months before the interview so i already had a tesla yeah. so i rolled up to the freaking uh to the it's uh, all meant to be man dude yeah. it's crazy yeah i rolled up to the to parking be. lot with the model s and the dude's like oh dude you drive a tesla i'm like hell yeah i love this company so like hit it off for like an hour you know, they made it very clear that even though it's an inventory control analyst position, like this is a big job. This is like, you're literally going to be building dashboards, KPIs, and you're going to help us build out the entire network. I'm like, just hope you pay me enough for me to make the decision. Uh, and lo and behold, we, we, we landed in a good place. And because of the, their, because I was able to uh, negotiate a, uh, a pretty a significant percentage of my compensation was in stock. I was nice. able to negotiate See, that yeah. with that sort of with that thought process, right? And I'm yeah. like, dude, if you guys can get me this much stock, I'll be more than happy to join because I know long term, I know long term yeah. is going to pay pay off. Like I'm willing to take a cut now for the growth in the future. Smart, and dude. lo and behold, yeah. it, it paid off. It paid off. <laughs> yeah, man. Crazy. I mean, your, your knowledge of supply chain and inventory is so critical right now, this I last know. few years. Uh, you're, you're everybody should be watching your youtube videos every day right now <laughs> it is like you're again few people have that yeah. knowledge and you were like friggin' running the show for the factory um yeah it was it was it was for the distribution network i mean we we essentially i mean honestly like the two of us did a lot of effort man I, it was it was essentially two people were doing the work of like 20 in a usual environment you know and that's kind of how tesla works you know it's it's when you're building stuff from scratch you don't have the luxury of of getting an entire team to build out the thing for you especially how tesla was at the time 2017 they were right. lean, yeah. lean 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 yeah. lean lean so we really had to uh, do some crazy stuff uh, when we were uh, making that uh, distribution network from scratch but man it paid off it, it paid off and we laid out a groundwork for the next generation of the distribution network for Tesla. So couldn't be happier. Yeah. Couldn't be happier. And so it, it absolutely did. So did you go through the, the 2018, the FUD, oh, yeah. the Tesla might go under? Oh, yeah. You... <laughs> yeah. 